Hello, hello, hello. My name is Robert. I am the recovery guy, and you have entered into the fix. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Recovery Guy. Of course, my name is Robert. I am the Recovery Guy. It is uh, it's good to have you with us today. Thank you very much for listening. Again, it uh, doesn't matter um, where you listen or when you listen. It just matters that you listen and that you continue to support us here at Recovery Guy. Hey, um, the podcast for today is entitled The Real Me. The Real Me. Uh, one of the greatest rock groups of all time, in my opinion, is The Who. The Who are led by this musical genius, um, by the way, of, um, by the name of Pete Townsend. Peter Townsend is the leader, uh, iconic guitar player, backup vocals, but when it comes to composing, uh, Peter Townsend in rock arena anyway is second to none. Um, he wrote every note for every instrument and every lyric for his masterpiece Quadrophenia. And, and just a little backstory, he actually wrote it in seclusion and when he was done, I'm talking about writing writing the background for all um, uh, all timpani and, and all percussion instruments, all, all keyboard instrumentation, all orchestration, including the French horn, which, which John Entwistle played, he wrote every note and then, of course, every lyric. And Quadrophenia was, was a masterpiece, a great, great story um, about, uh, about 60s uh, England and anyway to not get into that story too much the second track on the album is entitled the real me uh, which once again is the uh, the the title of this uh, podcast and again without going into much detail the main character in this uh, is uh, Jimmy in this rock opera and in the real me one of the uh, the lyrics are, I went back to my mother. I said, I'm crazy, Ma, help me. She said, I know how it feels, son, because it runs in the family. And here Jimmy is confused and crying out for help, and his mother's response is, you're not alone. I find that quite humorous. And this really helps to underscore the reality that addiction is most often a family disease. And if you're, if you're not convinced of that, um, read The Family Afterward. Just uh, Google that book, Amazon, The Family Afterward, and then let me know what you think when you're done. I think so many of us become addicted because we are never shown or we don't want to see or don't like what we see when we consider 
the real me. One of our most important opportunities in our personal recovery is discovering who we are. And regardless of what we are using, we go through life sideways and the result is the same. We lose sight of who we are and at the end of it all, we don't have an identity. We really don't. We don't have an identity whatsoever. It's Something's gotten lost along the way. And I really think this is a big contributor with people who will relapse. We're not sure who we are. And if we think we know, we don't like who we are. And, and, and being confused and not having the right answers is really a... A, a great example, I think a great example of this is is during um, Father Martin's Chalk Talk, and I promoted it before. If you've never heard this talk, you got to go Google it. Just Google Father Martin's Chalk Talk. It, it, it's probably on um, uh, YouTube, I would imagine. You can certainly Google it and find it. To this day, and I said it before, I'll say it again. The, maybe the greatest talk on alcoholism addiction that I've ever heard. Uh, in, in this particular example, though, Father Martin is explaining how alcohol, and we can actually assign this to other behaviors or uh, substances as well, how it prevents a person from revealing what they think. So in this example, a person has undergone a surgical procedure and has been anesthetized. Now they're coming out of that anesthesia when they're asked a question and they give a nonsensical response. <laughs> like their answer makes no sense whatsoever and it's completely out of character for who they really are, the real me. So the suggestion is then to wait for the person to recover from the effects of the anesthesia before they can expect the person to make sense. Does that make sense? I, I hope it does. Now, this, by doing that, it's, it's really going to help ensure that uh, we get the answer that makes sense. Let's get the person sober before their answers to life or their observations of life make sense. And let me, let me fuller, more fully illustrate this to you. A profound notion that has been taught in the travels of Alcoholics Anonymous. Now, this is not in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, but it is the notion or the pronouncement that sobriety is not enough. Now, sobriety here is defined as the absence of alcohol. And we know that by its the comparison that we are going to make. So remember, sobriety here is defined as the abstinence or absence of alcohol. 
there's a there's a tremendous book, and if you don't have it, and whether you're an AA or NA or OA or no 12-step program, you need to go get this book. It's my recommendation. And the book is called As Bill Sees It. This book is a is a compilation of Bill Wilson's writings. And for those of you who don't know, Bill W. is the co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous, Bill Wilson, co-founder of LA, of AA. And on page 227, Bill writes, we feel a man unthinking when he says sobriety is enough. Those aren't my words. I agree with them. But these are Bill W., co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous. And if you want to disagree with that, knock yourself out. That's your argument to lose. We feel a man unthinking when he says that sobriety is enough. When he says that not drinking is enough. I have seen so many people in and out of the rooms of recovery. And they would say, well, at least I didn't drink or use today. At least I didn't go get drunk. At least I don't, didn't go get high. Well, you know, in the beginning, that's okay. <clears throat> but as Chris Rock would say, what do you want, a cookie? Right? You're, you're, you're in recovery. You're supposed to not drink or use. What? Of, of course, that part of sobriety, of course you don't drink or use. We, we know that. But Bill is saying that that is not enough. And I love the analogy, and you've got to you've got to read page two twenty seven of the of the as Bill sees it. It's entitled "Sobriety Is Not Enough," and it talks about a farmer and his wife, and they're in their storm cellar when when a tornado comes through their area, and they're down in the storm cellar waiting for the storm to pass. And, and, and when, the, when they come up from the tornado, the wife says, the husband says to his wife, now this is despite the devastation, he says, that's good that the wind stopped blowing. That's all he saw. The wind stopped blowing. He's, he's looking, she's looking at their farm, their house, everything is completely destroyed around them. Everything they lived in, everything they worked for, their life is in shatters in this moment because of that storm that came through. And his response is, well, the wind's not blowing anymore. I guess we're okay. That's not the way it is. He failed to see all the damage that the tornado had caused. Do you ever think that? I remember... You know, wondering, when is enough going to be enough? Do you remember those days when we were trying to work our way back into our family if if there was any possibility of that at all? We were trying to find that path back to them. For some of us, it was challenging. For some of us, it's still going on. But we always strive. We always try to find the real me to express who we are and that we're not the person that we used to be that we know that certain things are going to take longer to rebuild than others. We need to see all the damage 
that we had caused in our destructive path of addiction. Considering what it is designed to represent, sobriety or merely, or merely the, the lack of alcohol or drugs is not enough. It's not. Again, if you're a newcomer, I agree, our greatest victory will be daily abstaining from substances or negative behavior. My, uh, my nephew, Peter, as many of you know, I mentioned it on a podcast last week, um, uh, picked up uh, a nine-month chip and so proud of that cat. I mean, he's, Peter's come a long way, gone through a lot of things in his story and his time, a lot of loss, a lot of tragedy, a lot of being isolated and left alone and made to feel that he was nothing, and he became addicted along the way. And so nowadays, though, Peter has got a great sponsor living on the Jersey Shores, and just enjoying life on life's turns, but he's nine months down the road now. Now he's got longer way to go. Of course he does. It's one day at a time for the rest of his life, and he's nine months. But Peter will be the first one to tell you that just not using is no longer um, adequate for him. Being clean, not using, not drinking, that's not enough. He needs to go beyond that because he's no longer a beginner. And again, in the beginning, and if you're new or relatively new, our greatest victory will be abstaining. After a while, though, that is not enough. For long-lasting sobriety, we must discover the real me. We We really must learn to live our life in a fashion that it was that is consistent with our understanding of who that real me is. It might be the greatest challenge of our sobriety because if we lose sight of who we are, if we don't find out who the real me is, we will become disillusioned and discouraged and we will drink or we will use. We will get sideways. We will get involved in a behavior that's not conducive to our lifestyle, and we may never come back. Conversely, when we find out who the real me is, you know what? We really find out we're, we're not that bad after all. Matter of fact, we weren't bad at all. Remember, we're not bad people trying to get better. We're sick people trying to get well. But again, it might be the greatest challenge of our sobriety. So I just jotted down nine things that I, that I want you to, to listen to, and let's see what we can do with them along the way. I'll, I'll walk through them, and then I'll, then I'll dig a little deeper as I come back. The first one is make a daily commitment to abstain from using. Number two, find a plan of recovery that has worked for others. Number three, adopt the plan and be daily committed to to it. Number four, become accountable to someone who has worked and is working the plan. Chart the growth you have experienced. Stay on target and accountable. Don't be afraid to discover the real me. Number eight, 
learn to like and love the real me. And number nine, share what you have learned. So let's go back to number one. Make a daily commitment to abstain from musing. And again, this is this is primarily for those of you who are relatively new to the program of recovery. I needed to wake up. I needed to make that daily commitment to not drinking or using. Now today, it's the other things that I do and don't do that that, that decision is included in. It's kind of like... Um, the 12 steps of recovery, for those of you who are 12-steppers. I was taught that I did not need to go back and do another four-step or another eighth-step or another third-step or another fifth-step. I, I didn't need to do those steps again because I had recovered. Steps one through nine are essentially the plan of recovery Steps 10, 11, and 12 are staying in recovery. They're called the maintenance steps. And if, and if you're not of that bend, that's fine. I, it doesn't really matter to me. As long as you're clean and sober and teaching other people to, to be that, then, then I'm killing it. I'm fine. Um, but that's been my experience. That's what I've been taught. And if, you've, and if you're really adamant about doing it that way and you need to share with me and you feel compelled to do so, by all means, DM me, you know, message me, hit me up on uh uh, on Facebook or my website or send me a text message. Uh, but but steps 10, 11, and 12. So, you know, I don't have to worry about uh, step one, right, or step two, because in steps 10, 11, and 12, the first nine steps are incorporated into it, right? But in the beginning, a daily commitment where it's step one all the way. I'm not going to drink or use. I understand how powerless I am over alcohol or drugs and or food or whatever your situation is, and my life had become unmanageable. I need to make a daily commitment to being re restored to sanity. I need to make a daily commitment individually to make a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understand God. I need to make a daily commitment to abstain from using. Number two. I need to find a plan of recovery that has worked for others. You know, one of the great things about recovery is that there's so many plans out there. And again, as I've said in other podcasts, uh, maybe AA is not for you. You're not going to offend me if you don't believe the way I want to do any more than you're not a Christian. I'm not, I'm not going to be offended. Do you walk with God? Do you have a relationship with a power greater than yourself? And and does that power do miraculous things for you day in and day out? That's all I care about. I don't care how you get happy, joyous, and free, as long as it doesn't bring harm to another person and you truly are happy, joyous, and free. How you get there is really incidental, right? And the same way with um, uh, finding a plan of recovery. Maybe your reformer is unanimous. Maybe you celebrate recovery. I don't know. Maybe you're part of the LDS recovery community. Doesn't really matter. Maybe you're part of the Buddhist network. Hey, knock yourself out, man. Just go get it done, right? Don't die. And don't take anybody with you. Don't destroy any more lives than we have to. Let's not walk out any more children than we have to walk out on. Let's not lose any more jobs. Let's not lose any more paychecks. Let's not get divorced, right? 
Find a plan that works for you. Once you find that plan, right, kind of just like recovery, uh, just because we found it doesn't mean we do anything with it, right? I can I can hand you a check, but until you cash it, it's not going to do any good, right? You can have all this money in the bank, all this wealth stored up, but until you go act on that wealth, doesn't mean anything at all, right? There's a great story in West Texas, and it turned out to be the the biggest oil find in the history of Texas petroleum. Zig Ziglar tells it much better than me. Anyway, to make a long story short, uh, this person bought this land, and one day geologists came by, and he was he was fairly dirt poor. And one day geologists came by and said, you know what, we want to look at your land. We think there might be something down there. And and so they did, and they discovered this 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 pocket of oil that once again became the greatest oil strike in the history of Texas. It may still be true, but at one time it was the greatest oil depository in the state of Texas. And and it started, I think, the whole oil boom. Anyway, so they find this oil, and this guy becomes a gazillionaire, right? The question is, did he become rich when he purchased the land or did he become rich when they uncovered the wealth? And really the answer is he was rich when he purchased the land. He just didn't go to the bank and collect it. We find a plan of recovery that works for us and for others. We adopt a plan and be committed to it daily. We need to be committed daily. We need to go act on that gift we've been given. You've got to find it. You've got to adopt it and be committed to it. And you will be rich. I guarantee it. Number four, become accountable to someone who has worked and is working the plan. Don't find somebody stale. Oh yeah, I did that one time ago. Let me show you how I did it. No, you want to know someone who's doing it, right? You need to plan the work and work the plan because new things come up. We change, we evolve. We need to adapt and to adjust and to reapply things in our life. So find a person who is actively has worked and they have recovered and they stay in recovery accordingly with the plan that got them recovered in the first place. Because we want them to be active. We don't want them to be that stale drink of water. Number five, chart the growth you have experienced. This is really important. We want to see what we have done. We want to see where we have come from. We want to understand the growth that we are involved with. I hope you do that because seeing our growth is very important to us. It's like my yard work. I love mowing my lawn because I love to see how it looks when I'm done. I love doing projects and building a the patio, the the handrails on my porch and doing different things around the house. I love to see the finished project. I love to see the growth. How much more important is that than who we are becoming in this real me? as that is unfolding. Number six, stay on target and accountable. 
And maybe we stay accountable to stay on target. I'm not sure. But they go hand in hand. We need to stay on target. We need to stay on point. We, we can't veer too far from the left or too far from the right. We need to stay as focused in that center point as we possibly can. And we need to stay accountable that when we get a little bit off target, there is others around us who will say, hey, Rob, I need you to get back over here. I see you drifting a little bit. I see you getting a little bit off target. I see you a little bit sideways. Maybe come back to the center here and let's get back on target, back on track. They'll be doing us a favor. Number seven, don't be afraid to discover the real me. This is really important along the way. We become so discouraged along the way we're not sure if we're ever going to find who we are or if we're going to like that person once we get there. Don't be afraid. Fear is simply, as Zig Ziglar says, false evidence appearing real. Don't be afraid. Do not fear to discover who the real me is. Not who the real me was under the influence of alcohol and drugs and other behaviors because that wasn't who we are. That is who we became along the way into being sick. I like to think that we're pretty amazing people. We have some great qualities that are uncovered and as that onion gets peeled back or that flower blooms, however you want to frame it, the real me is exciting. The next thing, it piggybacks off of that. I need to learn to like and to love the real me. This is so important. I learned to, to like me and to love me, to embrace me, to appreciate wanting to be around me, to want to keep my own company and then go share that with others as, as, as confidence, as, as Stephen Season would say about me, I'm charmingly arrogant. I really like and love who I am. Not because I'm better than anyone, but I have come a long way, baby, from the man I used to be, the man I was hiding from because I didn't know what to think of me. But now I know who the real me is, the real Robert Pardon, and I like and love me. And for that, I make no apologies whatsoever. Am I trying to become a better version? Of course I am. Who wouldn't want to be, right? I want to be fresh every day. I want to be better. I want to grow more. I want to be a better real me. Number nine, this is always so important. I share it a lot. You'll see it a lot throughout my points, but share what you've learned. Don't keep it to yourself. Remember, a full cup can't be filled. And a full cup that isn't emptied and refilled stands the chance of being stale along the way. Share what you have learned. We share experience, strength, and hope with each other that we might solve our common problem and to help others to recover from alcoholism. In step one, uh, the tradition one of AA is is that our, our personal recovery depends upon AA unity, right? Our common welfare should come first. In the preamble of Alcoholics Anonymous, 
is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength, and hope with each other, right? That's what we do. We share what we have learned along the way. So we make a daily commitment. We find a plan. We adopt the plan. We become accountable. We chart our growth. We stay on target and accountable. We are not afraid to discover the real me. We learn to like and love the real me. And then we share what we have learned. When we do these things, we uncover and appreciate the real me. And the real me is not too bad of a cat at all. The real me I have found to be quite exceptional. And I have met so many exceptional people along the way. And I'm sure you have too. And if you've ever been afraid to become that real me, that person will set your guard down. Do what you need to do. Follow these steps or steps of your recovery program. But find them. Adopt them. Love them. Embrace them. And then find out who the real you is. And then learn to like and to love that real you. Thank you so much for all that you do. Go to recoveryguy.org. I'm going to start announcing even more so your opportunity. So many people have asked me, how do I support you? What do I do? Well, you can now go to recoveryguy.org and you can do the drop down and it'll say Patreon. Click on Patreon and it'll take you to patreon.com and it will automatically link you to the Recovery Guy and you can now donate $25 a month and be a part of this recovery movement. We can really use your help as we're looking to expand and to do many more things. And you being a part of this movement would go a long, long way. So I hope you would consider that. Or you can just go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. Search for The Recovery Guy. It'll bring you to my page. Put in your information. And you can sponsor us for $25 per month. And that will go a long way into helping this ministry, this movement, become more to more people. Find me on recovery underscore guy. DM me. Let me know what I can do to assist you. Uh, Let me know if you're looking for a life or a sober coach and you want that relationship as well. Go to Recovery Guy on Facebook. Reach out to me. Let me know the difference I can make in your life as so many others has made a difference in my life. And as always, my name is Robert. And I am the Recovery Guy.